0: Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Today, I want to welcome Christian from Paper Bear Weddings. Now, he's doing incredible things in the industry and I reached out to him what a couple of weeks ago now. He's on the other line to have him as a guest on the podcast. And I know we've met in person, mate. And yeah, it's been honestly an honor to have you as a a guest on the podcast, mate, because I I see what you're doing in your business and I think um, there's a lot of value that's going to be shared today. So welcome, mate. Oh, thanks, man. It's a bloody honour to be here, to be honest. I'm stoked (laughs) to be talking about
1: you and sort of just having the chance to share a little bit. Yeah, it's cool. Why don't you uh, tell the listeners where you're sitting right now, Christian? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting in my garage in my car because it's literally the only quiet space at my house. Uh, you have three got kids, right? Three kids, man. Yeah, two of them are home right now. My wife's home, and uh, yeah, if I was inside right now, the listeners all over here is screaming. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and your wife's name's Mel, is that yeah, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah nice, Mel. man. Nice. I love yeah. um, love it how you're doing it like this in your car. I can see. Uh, for the listener out there, I can see you sitting in your car on the passenger seat with the mic <laughs> yeah. coming out. So, um, mate, you got to do you it. Do, hey? Yeah, just making it work, man. Mate, so tell me, take the listener back and take myself back to where it all started. I think last time we had met, which was at the workshop, right? In Tassie and stuff like that. But tell them um, where you started and, and where are the businesses now, man? Yeah,
1: I mean that Tassie was um, such a good experience, and it was just this sort of pinnacle for me where I'd, um, I was about to finish up in my sort of corporate life, and uh, we had this great workshop, and it was a sort of pinnacle of me starting that. So it's and since then we've been actually been in lockdown, but I'll, I'll jump into sort of maybe about my story and where I've come from. But so I'm in Melbourne. I've been shooting weddings for a while, like since 2015, but. I'd really never backed myself I'd been working in a corporate world in like a senior management position in HR and i had done really well in that world working in businesses and coaching leaders and applying all this leadership stuff that I've just learned along the way so I've been working in that in sort of corporate environment for most of my life I started when I was working full time when I was 18 I, really fucked up at high school. I was just partying and doing whatever I wanted in year 12 and stuff. So I had really low scores. So I just, I remember actually starting in naturopathy. <laughs> I was doing this natural medicine course at a uni. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I really sucked at biology and chemistry. It was like way above my head. And I was sitting in my cousin's car one day, worked in a call center and he uh, said to me, you know, what are you doing, man? Like you're doing this factory job while you're also working, you know, doing uni. Like come, come work with me. Here, sell, sell me this pen. And I had to sell him this pen to see if I'd make the, the criteria for his jobs in, in the contact center. And I, you know, so I joined there and I met some lifelong friends there. And I also met my wife there. And a few months into sort of that job, I was 18. And I was then given this job to train and coach other people on how to sell. And then that got me into sort of the HR world. So yeah, so I, I did that for you know close to 20 years and um, picked up photography along the way. And and now here I am sort of a few months after that Tassie workshop of having quit my job and now running, trying to run a full-time wedding photography business in Melbourne during <laughs> <the> <laughs> lockdown. <laughs>
0: <laughs> which has been yeah like a whole other thing I can talk about too. So tell me what was the main reason Christian that you went okay cool like the corporate world is not for me I'm jumping in full time.
1: Yeah like I think I learned so much in the corporate sort of environment and around leadership and running businesses and stuff but it was just there's only so much you can really do you know you're one person and and you're really limited and and so covid happened And I was at home. I was spending all this awesome time with my kids. You know, there was a lot of bad things about COVID, but it gave me the breakaway that I needed. Like I was, I was at home. I wasn't going into work anymore, you know, and wasn't spending two hours commuting and all that sort of stuff that a lot of people would have had. And there's been a lot of shit things with COVID, obviously. But for me, it was just that breakaway to really think about what I wanted to do. And I, I did this course, I did read this book actually, called The Everyday Creative by Michael Dixon. And I then got in touch with him and I did some coaching with him during lockdown. And I've been listening to podcasts. like I listened to your podcast. Uh, I was listening to you a know, heap of other learning stuff about photography. And I just thought, you know what? I'm working in this corporate environment. i get nothing back. I give so much of my time, so much of my energy. I'm always thinking about how do I make a difference to everyone else in that environment. But what are they giving me and my family? A 2%, if I'm lucky, pay rise every year. And I was the guy that used to have to fight for everyone's pay increases every year. But corporate's never giving you anything back. And to me, I wanted to make something more substantial for my life and for my family's life and really make a difference for them.
0: And I I realized I was never going to be able to do that in, in the corporate game. Hmm. It's interesting. So, and and then, so obviously jumping in as a full-time photographer at one of the hardest times through COVID pre pandemic kind of between the whole COVID thing. And then Melbourne hits the wall with lockdown, probably that what it's the, the world's longest lockdown or something yeah. like, absolutely crazy. Yeah. Do you think if you didn't have that uncertainty around that time, as you said, like COVID was a thing that gave you time to consider your choices. Do you think if you didn't have that, you may not have ever made that choice? I think I probably would have, but it would have taken me a lot
1: longer to get there. Like, and I think taking the opportunity, like almost just seeing it for what it was really going deep on the learning. It sort of opened my eyes. And I remember this book that I mentioned with, with Michael Dixon, where it really sort of encouraged you to think about, well, make your life a a life of art and, what is stopping you from being a creative every single day? And for me, I realized what was stopping me was sitting in meeting rooms and talking to people about stuff that really didn't matter. All those were limitations of my creativity. And it wasn't... Photography is the vehicle, Like, but there's so many different ways you can apply creativity in your life. And so for me, it was more about a life design than it was necessarily about running my own business as such. It was how do I design... And live a creative life that brings me happiness and and joy.
0: It's interesting because a lot of people, as you know, Christian, will, you know, they'll read a book and they won't take any action. You must have this burning desire that you had this creativity in you along the lines, you know. Like if I think if a person that doesn't believe they're creative to a certain point or doesn't have a burning desire to be a creative reads that book and probably takes no action, did you think you had that in you for a long time?
1: Yeah, definitely. I've had action. Like um, my wife's always tell me, you know, Rome's not built in a day. You know, chill out, sort of thing. But it's just part of me. I just don't see that I can. I can't sit still. Like, can we go on a holiday? I'm like, when am I playing golf? When am I going for a surf? I can't sit still for more than a few hours. And I guess that's my DNA. And I've just learned to embrace that and sort of. But at the same time, I'm really hard on myself. So. I'm like, oh, you know, I want to be there. I want to be doing that next thing. I want to get those those next weddings. I want to be creating amazing work. So sometimes a thing that I actually have to hold back a little bit of that action orientation because I can get a little bit distracted with stuff. But one of the exercises in that book that I remember specifically doing was in the first chapter of the book, he, Mike says, I want you to go make a decision right now and draw a line somewhere in your house or somewhere around you. And you're going to physically, I want you to cross that line and it's interesting i i did that exercise and he asked you to send a photo of him of of yourself doing it and i was in my mockos i was in lockdown and i just went outside and i drew this line and then my my little boy came out and drew the line with me and i remember that like it was such a pinnacle moment of crossing that line of making a decision that i'm actually going to put myself first I imagine a lot of people might have just skipped over those exercises, but doing that work and that commitment, it's now like stuck in my memory,
0: you know, and you sort of just triggered that back for me. Stepping over that line, like was there any context that you had to consider before doing that? Because a lot of people would just step over the line and be like, yeah, okay, cool. I'm stepping over a line to put myself first, like you said. Like was there context behind the decision? Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I was just
1: like, I feel something here. This has hit me in some way of like, I need to be moving forward now and I will need to let go of all the the system and the ego that's really kind of mm. driven me in the past. So yeah, I'm not sure what it was at the time, but I remember just being in that isolation, being removed from everything. Maybe if I would had a holiday, an extended holiday or something, I might've had the same sort of breakthrough, mm. but being so removed from it my wife was saying to me at the time she's like never talk about work in a negative way anymore you know you nearly you're not absorbed mm. by that anymore and for a lot of years I was like I'd come home and oh this person did my head in or this didn't work you know I fucked that up and I'd always bring that home but being removed it was probably the big big catalyst getting that space away from from the office
0: now let's fast forward to where we're at now so it's um an incredible movie made i mean I see the, the moves that you're making in the industry at the moment, and it seems as though you've been in it for a long time. I see like a lot of incredible branding that's definitely personalization to you and your personality and stuff like that. Staying on this whole branding and what we see as paper bear photography at the moment, previously before jumping in full-time, did you have these platforms set up? Nah. And I remember doing a
1: coaching session with you uh, at one point, and you gave me some really good direct feedback around some of this stuff. But I definitely didn't have that. And I wasn't really clear myself. I didn't, to be honest, I didn't know who I was, what was important to me, what my, you know, Joel uh, from your last podcast was talking about his values. And I thought that's such a beautiful way of that worked really well for me and where my background came from. I wasn't clear on what my values were. As a photographer, as a business owner, and um, so I think for me, I went through that exercise of doing this really great discovery work on what was the things that were important to me. And the biggest thing that came through was around this rule breaking stuff in the corporate world. I hated policies, I hated procedures. I'm like, fuck that off. Let's just how do we make people really happy in their jobs? And so I want to do the same thing with the wedding industry. You know, the work that I put out in for for couples is I want them to feel bloody amazing and I don't want them to be worried about just shit that they shouldn't be worried about or traditions that they might get absorbed up into. I just want them to break the rules a bit, live live a little bit recklessly, have fun. And so once I got in touch with, oh, these are all the things that really <laughs> resonate with me, I'm just going to put that out in the world and see, see what happens because that's the type of person I am and I, I can't be someone I'm not. I have to be true to who I am and, and what's important to me.
0: It's Really interesting you say that because when a lot of photographers start in the industry, and I mean you've you like you said you shot weddings for like five years here and there and stuff like that, and now now it is the jam, the full-time thing. But when we start out, we're always so safe, you know, because of scarcity and and um you know what the industry depicts as a norm of what photography should be and a client's experiences should be. And it seems real interesting just interviewing. Obviously, a lot of photographers and speaking and having a larger network of photographers that have been in the game for a while now. It's like it takes five to 10 years, it seems, that, and then the photographer switches gears and goes, you know what? Fuck it. I've gone through the 100 weddings. I now know what I fucking hate. And it's not even feeding me like any creativity. I have lost my soul. Now let's change. I mean, you brought up Joel, right? A like huge example right there, right? Like this guy's had this business to the outside that's incredibly busy traveling the world. But that helped him get nowhere. And now he's creating something that's like literally aligned with his values and stuff like that. But it, it's real interesting because you seem to have done it very early on. Because like I said, I see your branding and I see this and I've gone through it all before our obviously episode and I'm like, man, like when I see this stuff, I'm like, this guy's definitely, he's gone through the ringer and like, he's come out on the other end, like a lot of other photographers and gone like, what not? No more of this shit. Yeah. You know, I'm not letting the industry push me around anymore type thing.
1: Yeah. And it's, and it's like, it's not even, it's the funny thing for me. It hasn't necessarily been the industry telling me mm. it's, more my own mental model of like, oh, this is how things should be done mm, mm. because I see it from other photographers and what I've really focused on the last 12 months. And actually, I think it was triggered by your podcast with Simon Moore was around the creative diet. And I was like, oh my God, I've been, my influences have all been from wedding photographers. No wonder I'm mm. struggling. Like I'm in the middle, you know, like I don't stand out. I'm not I'm not doing anything that's exciting because my influence is all stuff that Mm. I'm seeing on Instagram and stuff. So once I started changing my input, it really had a massive effect. But i tell you what though, uh, and I remember Mike Dixon talking to me about this in in my coaching session, he said, don't worry about your input anymore. You've got enough stuff, go and create. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, I'd I'd taken on so much absorption of good Mm. content that I actually was just then too overwhelmed. Yes, and I wasn't creating. And I remember, so you can pick up on maybe as well. I like, I love listening to other people and getting advice. And I remember you spoke to me about, it and you're like, "Dude, your photography sucks, and you need to really work on your portfolio and really shoot more." And then I had, so I went through that exercise, and with the coaching with Mike, we set out this plan. I'm going to create for 50 days straight, and wow. At the start, I was like, "Oh, I'm so shit, though." I don't, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. I had all these barriers that I didn't even know were there. Yeah, wow. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to be a photographer, and I'm scared to pick up the camera of mm-hmm. doing something that's not weddings. Like, so I just forced myself, and every day I had to post it. So we did that exercise, and I, and that was so good. And since doing that, when I don't create every day, now I'm like, "Ah, oh, I just want to pick up the camera, and I just want to have wow. fun, and I just want to make something, and it doesn't need to be complex." So mm-hmm. during lockdown but I've just forced myself to keep creating because that's, I love it. I'll just, I want to go into the garage. and I want to make shit. And I want to, and I bought these Coke bottles from IGA that I saw that I thought they look cool. I'm going to try and do something with that. And just, I couldn't shoot anything else. I couldn't shoot anyone other than my family and they were sick of me. So I had to create something. So now it's like a habit. I have to do it. And that has had a really big impact on, on the way that I'm then seeing, thinking about what I want to create next. And, so, you know, it's getting in touch with that for every shoot. I'm like, well, how can I think of this in a different way and apply a different sort of creative experiment here? And yeah, I'm kind of going down a little no, bit a little awesome. rabbit warren there, but that has had a massive impact, I, I think, on my value set. You know, because I'm more comfortable taking risks with work. Yes, and I'm now thinking about every wedding. I'm like, oh, I can just have fun and create. Like, I don't mm-hmm. have to follow any set rules. And I tell tell my couples now. I'm not going to create a timeline for you. I'm going to create a vision, creative vision of what I want to shoot. And that's something I learned from Dylan from the Kitcheners. Um, and mm-hmm. the way that he approaches his work is having a vision for every shoot. I'm like, how the fuck wasn't I not doing this before? Like I just rock up and expect to shoot and create something amazing. Doesn't work that way. No director of any film just rocks up on set. says, like, oh, I'm just going to wave the camera around and see how we go. Mm. You know, I know some people do it that way. But for me, I just found since I've been doing this, my
0: confidence has just gone skyrocket. I have two really important things here. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> just recapping, it's refreshing hearing you say you have enough from Mike, how he explained to you. It's such a common thing that we think like constantly learning and learning and engaging and, and but I know me personally, my one of my mentors who helped me, he's like, dude, how many books have you read? And I'm like, man, bookshelf's pretty solid. And he's like, <laughs> do you procrastinate? I'm like, not really. And he's like, what do you think reading is? And then I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, do you implement anything now that you read yeah. And I'm like, hmm, am I reading? Is that my source of procrastination? Because I believe I'm doing something purposely driven that's going to help me become a better human, better business owner, more successful, et cetera. But am I actually doing that as a form of procrastination? And he's like, you've read enough. Mm. Now it's time. Strip the bookshelf back, grab those couple of ones. Like for sure, still read and stuff like that. But understand that reading sometimes is a form of procrastination. Mm. Can I ask you a question on that, man? Yeah. yeah. Why do you think that? Why
1: would you be procrastinating, do you reckon? Like what was the things that were getting in your way? I think I
0: see purpose in being busy. Yeah. Or busy gives me purpose. Solitude time away from working hard obviously can bring up different emotions and feeling like you're not going forward in life. And I I was, you know, education is important. I know that. But a lot of the times I'm like, look back at my bookshelf and I'm just like, man, I read that whole book and I did zilch with it. 10 hours, 20 hours, 40 hours, whatever it took me to read that book. That's just the same as putting like a podcast on or or some nice music and going for a walk. I'm not taking shit in. So for me personally, the way I was brought up was to be successful and I guess not a leader as such, but like the way I was brought up was you have to be busy your whole life. Yeah. You know, and and that's something I'm always conscious of that doesn't have to be that way, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's refreshing when you, like I said, when my mentor said to me, like, you've read enough, like continue reading, but you have the knowledge now.
1: Mm.
0: Like no book's going to tell you how to do the next step.
1: Mm. And
0: when you say you have enough And now start creating. like That's fresh, man. I love that. But I'm going to flip it now. You said something really interesting about Dylan from The Kitcheners, who's obviously been on this. uh, I don't know. I think it's on the podcast. Anyway, he's helped me mentally. Mentoring, I should say. A creative vision rather than creating a run sheet and logistical plan. Tell me what a creative vision means to you and how you practically give that to clients. Oh, that's so good.
1: Such a good question. And it's something I'm still like, grappling with you know in the because when you have limited time with people like how do you how do you do that really Mm. and obviously with personal work it's a lot easier to prepare those sorts of things but your point on action is just beautiful because when you see something you like what do you do with that like visually what do you do with that and um for me i was i really like that and then i'd just rely on that sitting somewhere like thinking i'll pull that out of the bank one day i really liked how dunkirk's filmed and of the color grading on that or the way that they shot it but for me it's not really that useful so what i do now is i just create a bank of screenshots and stuff that i really like and i steal it and then i try and reproduce that into into the shoot so it all starts with a couple though to be honest so i have a i don't do i'm not a not doing 90 weddings a year. So I have a bit more time to do this stuff. I think that I start with a discovery process with the couple. I'm asking them a whole bunch of questions that really push the envelope a little bit on what a photographer might be asking about their relationship and how they would describe it. And that gives me a really good sense of them. And then I'm trying to incorporate things that they tell me out of that discovery. I call it the hangout process. And I call it a hangout, not a process, a hangout. And during that, I then take a whole bunch of notes. And then I'm looking for those little things that I can incorporate into the day. And that helps with the story. So what I then do with that is create a bit of like a mood board. Okay, these are a few shots
0: that I know I want to get based on what they've told me. Tell me on this. I'm going to stay on this. The hangout process. Now, you're asking clients questions to find out more about them. Yeah. I'm struggling to work out how this becomes a practical thing in terms of the decision you make of photos that possibly you'll be creating on the day?
1: Well, like, so some couples, like I had a couple the other I was speaking to and I said, how would you describe your relationship? And they're like, intimate. I'm like, cool. Okay, so now I know that you guys are going to be comfortable with a bit of intimacy. And so Mm -hmm. I can incorporate that in how I set you guys up. So a couple says to me, well, they're really reserved and they don't like public displays of affection. Then I know there's going to be a bigger barrier for me to just, I can't, My vision on the day can't just be go bang straight into going to get you guys kissing in front of me. So maybe I'll do some scene building with them and incorporate that. I'm going to scout the location before I go and I'm going to watch for the time of the sun where it's going to be hitting. I'm going to try and think of ways I could bring that out into the Mm -hmm. shoot. And just little things that I want to experiment with, you know, Oli Sanson talks about sort of having different laps that you're doing. So I'm bringing those different, like a safe lap, a reckless lap and an experiment lap. And so I'm going to have those few ideas that I want to incorporate with them and experiment with in that vision board of that vision mindset based on what they've told me and what I'm trying to do as well. So it can't just all be about me. I'm trying to incorporate those little elements into them.
0: And I have two things just quickly, Christian, on this. So when you create this vision board, are you sending this to clients and explaining Nah. Well, you're keeping this to yourself. I'm keeping it to myself.
1: I would say to them, based on what you've told me, is I'm not sending you a run sheet. This is my set list. And so in the set list is going to be like, I know you're going to want to get a photo with Nat, Gran, and those sorts of things. So I've got to put those things in there because that's really important to the couple. But then I'll have, okay, portraits, but I'm going to be looking for the intimacy that you spoke about. And this is going to be banging and this is going to be, you know, I'm going to to get really excited about that vision. You know, these are their songs. This is the music to their wedding day. And this is the soul of it. So I want to make sure that I'm excited about that. I want to present it in a way that gets them excited. You know, if I send them portraits, 15 minutes, fuck, doesn't that sound like boring? I want to be excited. This is like the most exciting day that they've planned ever. So I want to make sure that I'm equally matching that in my creative input and output for
0: that. I love that. So let me stay on this subject. Let's go through a practical thing here. I'm, I'm yep. on the hangout with yourself. And yep. run me through some questions. I want to go through this and see okay. where your mind takes me. Sorry, sorry, see where your mind takes yourself. So, well, first thing is, it's like not
1: about me at all. So I'm not talking about me or my background. So the first thing is, I'm like, you guys got a drink? What are you up to? What have you been up to today? And so I'm just building that rapport and getting them comfortable with the whole thing. And I'm like, cool. So I'll probably do that for 15, 20 minutes make sure that we've found something mutually that we can talk about. I get a lot of couples that have already got kids. So I'm having a chat to them about that. And then I'm like, cool guys, for me, just let me explain a little bit about how it works. I want to make something that's really custom for you. That's really important to you. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions that might be a bit uncomfortable, but I really want to know about you. And so I'm like, okay, just start with some basic stuff. So, Using sort of my HR background of interviewing people, I apply those sort of same questions. So like, what gets you guys excited? Tell me about your relationship. What do you like to do on the weekends? It's nothing really major, but then I go into a little bit more personal. Like, What's been one of the uh, hardest things that you've had to overcome as a couple? And what's been one of the best experiences you've ever had? What's been some of the saddest things that you've ever done? So I've got a list of those sorts of questions, which is just breaking down those barriers and trying to get them a bit more comfortable to open up.
0: And then let's say I've gone through this process with yourself and you've kind of taken away that we work full-time, we have one child, we're just kind of chill couple, we love the beach, we're not really intimate in public, crazy affectionate people, we're just chill, we we hate being photographed, probably pretty common. Yeah. Where's that vision board take you now?
1: Well, so, I mean, the beach, I'd be like, okay, cool. How do we incorporate the beach? So I had a couple of guy. the guy was a surfer. I'm like fuck getting ready photos, let's go to the beach and I want to get some shots of you surfing. He's like, yeah, cool, let's do that. So that was incorporated into the vision for the Mm -hmm. day. And then I'm looking at, all right, let's see surf photography. What do people do for surf photography? Maybe I'm not going to go into the water, but what other Mm -hmm. elements could I incorporate in? So I'll be looking for inputs for surf photography in that that situation.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Dunkirk. You said Dunkirk. Obviously, I know the movie well. All the listeners, you need to li- go check this thing out. When you said create a mood board and vision board, my first thing for me that came to my mind was like, okay, cool. He's creating this this vision board of screen grabs from movies, you know, like incredible film movies and stuff like that. Is he adjusting things like that to create similarities in color tonal range, or is he looking? And this is a question for you. Or are you looking more for the nuances of the connection in the photograph rather than let's create this cinematic no, photo yeah. that stands out from everything else?
1: <laughs> yeah, like doing cinematic phot- photography is like uh, super tricky, I think. So mm. it's it's definitely more about the connection, more about how they use light. So yes. I had a shoot uh, two weeks ago just out of lockdowns like the first time and one of my favorite movies was Pulp Fiction and the, it was a style shoot. So it was a 70s theme. I'm like, I want to bring Pulp Fiction into this somehow. So I sent the couple, I'm like, here you go, guys. I want you to like practice with this little move. And it's the scene where John Travolta and um, Uma Thurman, it's a famous dance scene in the movie. I'm like, can we recreate this? So that was like something that I wanted to recreate from that movie. And I just incorporated that into the day, into the shoot, and that was one of my reckless laps. You know, I don't know how the fuck this is going to work. I've never done that. It doesn't look exactly like color range and mm. tone and lighting. Doesn't looks nothing like it because it's in a, it was in a venue. But <laughs> just incorporating that little fun
0: into it. This was a style shoot or a yeah. real couple? No, that was this was a style. I shoot. mean, I know they're a human, yeah. but yes, yeah. yeah, so a style shoot. Set list. You said you create a set list though. Yep. What is a set list? So, like, if you think of um, like
1: a mu- in music, like the band, you know, they have their, their set list, right? And mm-hmm. it's like, these are the banging songs we know we're going to incorporate into the set. And then they might have a couple of, you know, new songs that they want to test out. So, it's a similar sort of thing for me is like, okay, I know, all right, first kiss. Well, that's something that's going to be important to the couple. I'm going to call that out as part of that list of things that I want to capture f- that are really important for them. And so, it's not so much about the run sheet and the timing. It's like, here's what I heard from you guys that were really important. And this is now my must-have sort of photos uh, for the day.
0: Interesting. So are you, are you providing this to, to the yeah. couples? You yep. are? Yep. Okay. So if it's a, a standardized wedding, let's say the couple were that couple I spoke about who were just chilled, relaxed, not really that affectionate. They're just like, you know, first curse, you know, wouldn't mind getting some candid photos of the guys getting ready, blah, 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 blah. The set list, isn't that just standardized photography for weddings as such? Maybe for
1: you, right? Like you do this every, every week. You're doing two weddings a week. But for the couple, it's they don't see it that way. Like I'm there to create something that's special for them. I don't want to go. Oh, this is just a standard wedding photography thing for me. You know, I want to make sure that they go. Geez, this guy's really thought about what we need, and he really cares. And you know, he's applying his creativity to it. So yeah, some people might look at it and just say, "Oh, it's just a run sheet." But it's in my mind, it's not. Like Hmm. if I just think of that as a run sheet, then I'm, I believe that I'm not fulfilling my potential with how I'm thinking of it in the day.
0: Nice. And then so, I totally get it. I totally understand the importance of it. Don't get me wrong. And especially for um, uniqueness, like when you have that hangout session with the couple and and you hear something unique and it's like, yeah, and then you're just like, okay, cool. Like this has to be incorporated on the day. And this is definitely not standardized. I'm not saying every couple is standardized. Have you ever had a couple go, well, thanks for the set list, but where was X? Not really.
1: Not yet anyway. I mean, it could come up. And if that's... But I actually invite that as well. They're like, you know, if there's something in that list that's really, really important for them, then I want to make sure that I'm aware of that for the day. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be too much of a drama for me. And it might mean that, hey, actually, I didn't, I didn't listen that well because like I've missed the mark nice. here, you
0: know. Yeah. The responsibility on that
1: with me, I think.
0: What, what, yeah, exactly. And I think you answered the next question, which was, I'm meaning post wedding, which was post wedding. Yeah. But you kind of answered it. And I think you would have that similar answer, which is, well, that's a great learning curve for you. Yeah, 100%. Like I have had that before. And like, oh man, it killed
1: me the other day. Like this bride contacted me and she's like, oh, dude, even, even thinking about now, like makes me emotional. Like, like my cousin just died. Do you have a photo of, um, of her? I'm like, fuck, I missed it. You know, mm. I didn't get that. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, fuck, every person I see that
0: day, I'm getting a photo of because, yeah, I'm not missing, I'm not having that fucking email again, you know? Dude, I had this, I mean, I'm getting shivers because I can feel your emotions coming through, man. I had the same thing, man, multiple times, hey. And um, yeah, it makes, you, it makes you really just like consider the energy that you're putting out sometimes at weddings, especially when you do a large number and stuff and you're just like, mate, was i there for if i didn't get that yeah i you know, like man like i know all this you know instagram worthy photos and stuff it means fluff man when someone passes away yeah truly right hey yeah. i mean it's nice but i mean we don't have to go d- deep into that path but it's it's an amazing constructive way to look at it and just be like like you said you know you, you're giving yourself feedback going well next time i'm getting a photo every single guess you yeah know? yeah and if they don't want it that's cool like but I'm going to
1: ask, I'm going to make sure I'm making an effort, effort to get yeah. everyone there. Because mm. I don't know. I don't, definitely don't want everyone that again.
0: I'm going to switch gears now, Christian, a little bit. And I see you doing a few styled shoots and I see you pushing the boundaries and, and especially the creativity that you're creating in these styled shoots. Am I on the right ballpark here that you are pushing styled shoots at the moment to push your creativity? Yeah, I mean,
1: it's interesting like the um, wedding industry sort of says like it's a styled shoot and and definitely again, yeah, I'm using those as an opportunity to just go, okay, there's still a story here, you know, like I want to do as much work as I can basically to push my creative boundaries. So I'm trying to shoot every single day and organize as many photo opportunities for me to create. This is my... Like big thing for this next two years is I just want to create as much as possible. So yeah, I'm definitely organizing shoots. Some of them are like with a stylist, some of them aren't. And yeah, I'm, I'm doing that as every opportunity I can. So I'm just trying to use those as way to also build connections in the industry. Yeah. Like that's it's so good for that. But mainly it's for me it's like I just want to create cool stuff and I want to find really cool people to take photos of and give myself the freedom to do it I think style shoots in the kind of traditional sense are really challenging because you've then got the expectations of every other you know as you know man um, of every other vendor and I remember you talking to me about this as well (laughs) like (laughs) so I find um, just meeting with People and couples to take photo, you know, get their photos is is a really good way to do it. because then you don't have that pressure.
0: I You nailed it, man. <laughs> like, uh, dude, yeah. I mean, every time I do a statue, I'm like, why? Like, be blunt. I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing this shit? Like, <laughs> this is so not me. This is what am I doing? You know? And it's like, hey, you didn't get a photo of that rose. And it's like, dude, not. Oh man, I got 550 photos of the roses. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry I didn't get that rose petal. Anyway, I won't go on yeah. tangents. But you're so right. Like. To, to release that creativity and to grow as an artist, a style shoot is really, really like tunneling you into creating for others where yeah. like you said, it's creation for yourself. And Narav Patel, he, when, when I've spoken to him before, he's always like, dude, the, the most creative times that I ever have are when I go get an Airbnb, I get a couple and I spend 10 hours with them or five yeah. hours with them, allow them to stay at the Airbnb and create without any requirements to create and um, try pass that over to a wedding. You know, like, I mean, it, it's an, I mean, I look back at personal projects I did years ago and I'm like, man, that was so creative because yeah. you know, I had no expectations and it's incredible what you're doing on that as well. Yeah. I think more photographers need to do it, especially, you know, when I'm helping and mentoring someone's that are starting, I'm just like always like think you're doing the proactive thing, which is like shooting every day, like, or something or trying or, how can your creativity go backwards?
1: Yeah. How can it? Yeah.
0: Try to do that at a wedding and it definitely can, right? Because yeah. you're restricted into, oh, maybe them pushing the boundaries too much today, you know? Yeah. I think, I think so, man. Like, I
1: think every opportunity you have, like, whether it be a wedding or a styled shoot, you have the chance to create something for you mm. that's meaningful to you. So I don't think of Ollie has this really great way of referencing like body of work. He talks a lot about, about that and building a catalog of photos, mm. you know? And um, I think a wedding is the chance. That's your body of work too, you know? It could be something really radical happening with the kids that are playing off the side or you're in this amazing location. Mm. For me, I the way I'm sort of seeing those opportunities is like, oh, I just want to create as much as I can. I want to get that and get that without being overkill of thousands of photos, like making it um, really great. I think Tyler Shields, I think his name is Tyler. Um, is a really famous photographer in the States and he's an artist and he think he creates all his own work and then sells it into the galleries and I heard a podcast with him and he was saying every photo that he takes is thinking how do I make this a million dollar photo and I thought oh that's so good like sure we have to get there's certain photos you just have to get that and, and people have an expectation but yeah for me I'm wanting to push myself in that moment like how do I make this best possible photo still even though it's like just a basic family portrait how do I make this still the best possible photo? Tell me what inspires you, Christian? Uh, my family. So my wife, Mel, she's 100% like my biggest supporter and yeah, like someone that just completely backs me. So she definitely inspires me. Our kids, their creativity is just amazing seeing them and their play. I think that as a family, we're always sort of looking out for stuff and particularly during lockdown when we couldn't really go anywhere. We were incorporating these little things into our day. So we'd go for a walk of like, let's go find some weird shit. And man, I live in like the suburbs of Melbourne. There's not too much, too much, it's very green. And there's lots of nice parks and playgrounds. There's not too much weird shit, but it'd be it's really interesting what you find when you're looking for it. So that sort of inspires me. Yeah, definitely my family. And then on a photography level, just other photographers that, and artists, I think, is is where I get my inspiration from, and probably just like this desire to leave something that's really cool for people when I'm dead.
0: <laughs> a bit morbid, but yeah, I would love to finish on that, but I'm definitely not going to. I'm actually that that's deep, and it's it's a beautiful you sharing that, man. But I want to spin it round to more more of a business side of things for a second, just because it came to my mind. Talking about something you currently seem to be offering, which is a free engagement photo shoot. I know the concept behind that. I would love to know the process and the concept behind the one you're running. Mm.
1: So the idea uh, was to collaborate with another creative, so a makeup artist in uh, Melbourne, and look for opportunities to offer couples the an incentive to kind of book for next year after all the rescheduling and all that. Nightmare. So, that's loosely concept. I think it's been a really good learning for me because what I'm noticing is people don't really value free stuff that much at all. And yeah, really, they don't. They don't really value free stuff. Mm. (laughs) That's the learning, man. It's like I could give you could give photos for free and stuff, and yeah, people just I think just diminishes the value, even though you're trying to do something really good for people, Mm. uh, which which we were. And I think people are just time poor and. Right now in Melbourne, there's still a lot of negativity around lockdown and time. So it's probably been bad timing for that. But I think deep down, I know the the reason is people just don't value free giveaways. you know. So yeah, I'm really re- gonna, probably going to put pause on that.
0: Mm. I think you nailed it again, man. I think, yeah, <laughs> like I've run a, a multiple of these throughout the years. And I remember five, six years ago when the first one came to light, it was kind of fresh and new and it kind of worked. But as it went down a little bit further and further, I, I exactly had the same analogy. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. To be honest, man. Yeah. And like, I just think for us, we see so much fucking value in it. Free engagement shoot, free photos, opportunity to book a photographer, and you probably get a few photos from the day or whatever. And it's like the pushback I had years ago in the last one that we ran was, yeah, but surely like, nah. You know, like we, we would get a lot of inquiries and they would just wouldn't schedule in if they were like a winner or something like that. If we they were chosen, winner, we would give away 10, you know, and there was always this like seemed to be this like subconscious dis, uh, thought in their mind the whole time, like when's a catch, you know? And, and I think when we got to the point where it was like, Hey, here's your opportunity to book they're like, I get it. Even though it was a discounted package, even though it was like such an incentive to have it was still like I don't know. I, I felt like the process wasn't organic enough. They they kind of weren't pigeonholed in, but it just I don't know. For me, I kind of was like, yeah, no, no more of this. Especially you know, I mean, we were, we were just ambassadors for Vision Art, right? So we we did a free album giveaway, right? Like with all weddings booked in the month of X um, last year, and like, not one of those inquiries actually asked about the album. of course, they all got them because we actually told them they did just to be like morally correct, but not one of them came through the actual advertising of the free album giveaway. They come through different means and we split tested it. We did a free album giveaway and we just did a generic topic marketing as such, which means, you know, like, fuck, I can't remember what it was, but it could be like COVID tips for your wedding. And they all came through that way, contacted, and then went through the lead process with us. But even when they put their contact details in, at the top of that page said, if you book your wedding with us in the month of X, you will receive a free album. Then when they put their contact details in, they received an automated email with an, a free giveaway album for this month. And here's a video of our albums. Here's photos. And I think we had, we had about 10 bookings for that month. And every single one was like, oh shit, I didn't even know. <laughs> Right. And it was like, it was like, I don't know. It was just like, did they just skim past that? Cause it wasn't valuable to them. Yeah. Like, that's an expensive thing to provide. Um, so I was like, man, let's scrap that. It costs a lot of money. Right. And that I was yeah. and they really probably don't care that as much as I would to have something similar, you know? So I, I won't go down that, but no, that's really interesting, man, because I think
1: there's a lot of people and myself included. I've, I've definitely feel like I've fallen in that mm. trap. Whereas if I had, Put that energy into organize like creating more interesting mm. work and make myself stand out. I reckon I I would have
0: had more traction from from that than the giveaway. You just said, yeah, I think there's this thing called value skewing, right? Which is looking at everything that we provide as a business owner, experienced clients, leads, bookings, deliverables. And you you try and skew the value, meaning increase the value some way that's irrelevant to a financial output from yourself or it could be it could be but generally it's not it's generally it's just time and a change for example could be and this is what we're going through which is super valuable is we writing literally wrote a notebook of every single practice we do in the business every single thing communication social media voice branding vocabulary grammar english lead handling like and then go how can we get better at every single one or where are the top five things that we can add value to, that therefore will one make us stand out from the crowd? That's so good, and that way, therefore, you know you're doing something that probably people were just doing subpar. And um, Stephen Bartlett, who who runs a podcast, man called um, The Diary of a CEO. It's an incredible man multi-multi-million dollar um, business he, he, he sold and stuff like that. And it's incredible. And he always says that one thing. He says, you know, like there are so many X out there, photographers, business, like social media experts, this fucking that, that. But the ones that stand out value skew the most. The ones that stand out look at the practices practically and go, how can I do something better than everyone else? And I mean, when you came on my radar after the workshop I taught in Tasmania, I think it was, yeah, earlier this year, when you came on my radar, I was like, man, this dude's doing something creatively. That's different. And that's why I reached out to you because I'm like, I don't see this often. It's normally from someone that's been doing it for a long time that just got over dealing with the norm, I guess. Oh, and that's cool. You, I, I believe that's a performer of value skewing, right? You know, Chewy photos over in the States, You know, like value skewing hugely because there's not much competition in the way he's creating. Man. That's how I can value skew rather than be amongst the herd. For sure. And you put me onto that book
1: with um, Seth Godin and Purple Cow. <laughs> that was a really good tip. I, I think I mentioned it every,
0: every episode, man. I talk <laughs> about that thing. <laughs> it's a good book. <laughs> yeah, that's one that I did take away from. So <laughs> I guess that wasn't procrastination when yeah, I was reading that one. Yeah, you definitely,
1: you definitely did.
0: did, There was something um, you said before, man, which I just wanted to,
1: we've got time to kind of Most touch on. on. Part of the um, work I used to do in the the old life was running leadership programs and development. And a lot of the leadership stuff was getting leaders to work on themselves. Mm -hmm. And so we'd sit down and go through this process called um, immunity to change. And the way it works is you identify something you want to improve in your life. And this immunity to change then helps you unpack all the things that you're not aware of that's stopping you from making the change you think about like an immune system in a good way. I mean, it's probably quite mm. a topical, maybe I don't want to talk too much about it, but there's good parts of having an immune system, right? Like it protects you. But then there's sometimes like your body rejects stuff. Like if you're a heart patient and you're now, they have to give you, um, you have a heart transplant, your body, body initially rejects the heart transplant, right? So immune systems don't always work. And it's the same, we've got a psychological immune system. And so when we're trying to make big changes in our life, This is what I realized, the procrastination for people or not doing things. There's a whole lot of barriers there that they don't even realize. So for me, one of my things was I'm really bad at saying no. And in a business context, that was a bad thing because I'd spread myself too thin. But there was a whole reason behind that that I didn't even realize until I went through this process, which was fundamentally, I really want to make people happy because it makes I'm worried about losing relationships and losing friends in my life. Like I didn't even realize that until I went through it. And I remember speaking to other leaders who had these barriers and they're like, well, if I take action on something, then I'm going to have to be accountable for something. And then like I'm at risk of losing my job. I could fail it. And so I just wanted to throw that out there as another good resource for people that might be like, you know, I'm trying to make these changes, but there's something that gets getting in my way. It's really cool just to kind of like look within and and just ask yourself like a few basic questions like, what's the things that I'm doing that's getting them away? Like, what's the things I'm stopping? And then, what are the things I'm really worried about if I was to achieve this thing, if I was just to take more action? Like, what's the thing that I'll be really fearful of?
0: And when you go through that, it can be really helpful kind of exercise. So, for yourself, when you said one was you struggled saying no. Yeah. When you look within and ask those questions to yourself, and you said it was like pleasing people and stuff like that. Once, once you kind of lay it all down, then it's obviously taking action as the next step, right? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, once you've got a, a, a map of it, it's
1: like mm. cool. Okay, I'm not going to judge myself for this. Like, this is who I am, but I'm just going to notice of mm. when someone asks me for something now. What like what's going on? <laughs> How does that feel like? And maybe if. What if I just trial something, like do a little experiment on yourself. Next time someone asks me for something, rather than saying yes straight away, I'll go, I'm going to come back to you um, tomorrow and let you know. And just doing little safe experiments to push yourself a little bit, but without ju- doing it in a judgmental way because you know we already beat ourselves up enough. We don't need to keep beating ourselves up
0: more. <laughs> I love that. Because that exercise there, like like Kristen said, guys, If I, I mean, the way I... I read that, Christian, is that it could be anything. But let's stay on photography. I mean, if it's creativity, you you feel like you're not pushing the boundaries. I mean, you're hitting creativity and then sit down and and think about why. And it could be that the vulnerability of stepping outside your comfort zone or someone seeing work that they didn't expect, right? Yeah, huge one. I remember when we made a shift and I mean, and we're not pushing boundaries crazy left with the creativity, but we definitely made a conscious decision a few years ago. And it was like, the, the biggest block that I had was, fuck, what are my clients going to think? Mm. You know? And then I went, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. And then mm-hmm. it was, they might just message me and say, hey, what's, what's, what's happened? And then I can explain. And, and the funny thing was, once it took a month or two to get over that and start creating and then putting that out there, I only got praise and feedback. <sighs> like, holy shit. Like, thank you. And we started generating more work and more bookings and I felt free from handcuffs. So good, dude! For a refreshing, man, to wait, and that is the way to finish this episode, my man. <laughs> awesome, Christian, mate. I appreciate your time, my man. I um, I absolutely loving personally what I'm seeing and and you're doing, and I love how you're just constantly creating. Um, honestly, man, like, and when we met in in Tassie and stuff, it was an honor to hear your story as well. And and I just love like how you're just like, man, I'm going fucking full time. Like I'm just doing this shit, and Let's see what rolls. And you went in the hardest time of the year, and and I, and I keep my fingers crossed that it, it you know COVID plays itself out, and then you get through it, and we all get through it together. But um, mate, what you're doing, I'm, I'm certain that you're definitely going to be incredible artist, and you you are at the moment. But you're going to be pushing more boundaries as we see, and people follow your work, mate. I will link out to all the things that we've mentioned. Uh, we'll link out to your website your social media handles if you could just plug um the best place for the listeners to check out your work and also if they need to contact you
1: yeah uh, it's just uh paperbear.photography on instagram is the best place to hit me up with any uh yeah any any tips or any questions that i can help with i'd love to hear from people but thank you man for having me on here it's um i've i've taken so much learning from you ryan like in the podcasts and the workshops. And um, I really appreciate you showing up and like, yeah, just adding value all the time. I know you've got like heaps of weddings on. So I'm like, how does this guy find time time doing this <laughs> stuff? Um, but it's always like an awesome um, level of education. So thank you for helping me, man. Absolute pleasure, mate.